Attracting Lasting Love podcast presented by CoachingWithFroy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithFroy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. I am your host, Roy Biancalana, and I am excited about today's topic, but I'm also quite terrified to talk to you about today's topic because the title of this podcast is Why the Law of Attraction Will Ruin Your Love Life. And so I know that the law of attraction is the thing right now in the relationship world. And it has been from probably 2006 when The Secret came out. Remember that movie and the book and so forth? And Oprah really promoted The Secret and the law of attraction. So I know that you know, the vast majority of relationship experts and dating experts and, you know, all those kinds of people of which I'm one of them. I know that most of them, like the law of attraction is the wisdom. It is the way. It is the principle that you need to follow and use in your life if you want to attract your ideal partner and have a great relationship. And I'm about to tell you why I don't think that's true. In fact, I think if you use a law of attraction, you are going to ruin your love life. Okay? So I'm asking you in the beginning to just be open to hear what I have to say. And I'm not saying I'm right and everybody else is wrong. I'm not, even though I'm going to speak very strongly about my position, but it's my opinion. It's my viewpoint. And I want to offer it to you because I have seen the damage that the law of attraction has done. I've seen the damages done in my life and I've seen the damages done in many other lives. And I want to share with you some philosophical perspectives, some spiritual perspectives on why it is dangerous to use a law of attraction. Now, I have been one in the past who was all into it. In fact, you can look at some of my earlier e-courses and even some of my earlier books and you'll see me speak positively of the law of attraction. But I no longer do. And so that can be confusing. And so let me just say this. You know, we all grow. We all learn. We all evolve. We've all believed certain things in the past, and then we learn, we grow, we experiment, we we just experience life, and then we change our minds. Right? I mean, five, six hundred years ago, people thought the earth was flat. They thought the earth was the center of the universe, and the sun was going around the earth. Okay, well, well we've grown. We've evolved. We know that's no longer true. Um you know, back in the 50s and 60s, do you know that the cigarette companies used to have doctors on their commercials to sell the cigarettes, saying, this is my favorite cigarette, this is a good cigarette, and they were medical doctors? Now, they they were 
They were saying and doing what they believed to be true. They didn't think that smoking was maybe the worst possible thing that you could do for your physical health. (laughs) But now we know that, right? And so doctors have grown and doctors have evolved. And relationship experts, and I'm one of them, used to think the law of attraction was it. That it, it contained the wisdom, you know, to find your life partner. But I've grown, and I'm here to tell you, oh no, it is just like the doctors used to promote smoking, (laughs) and now it's like, no, it's going to ruin your life. The promotion of the law of attraction is not going to lead you where you want to go. It's going to uh, ruin your love life, okay? So uh, I could even say it this way. Using the law of attraction to find your life partner is like using bank bank robbery as your money-making strategy, right? You can rob a bank and make money that way, but it's probably going to ruin your love life. And here's the, here's the, here's why I give you that analogy. I am not, I repeat, I am not saying the law of attraction does not work. In fact, I'm saying just the opposite. Hell yes, the law of attraction works. I'm saying that because it works, that should scare the hell out of you. That's the point I'm making. I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm not going to argue and tell you why it's hokum. It's mumbo jumbo. It's psycho babble bullshit. No, no, no. It actually works. But I'm going to tell you that because it works, that's why it should scare you to stay away from it completely. So that's why I use the bank robbery thing. Yeah, that's a way to make money, okay? But it's probably going to ruin your life. And it's the same for the law of attraction. Now, there's one thing I want to say, and I don't want to diminish myself as an authority or somehow, you know, step on my own credibility, Because if I've got something to say and I've learned something, then I can stand on what I've learned and I can put it out there. I don't need to say other people who are bigger, better, more famous than me agree with me, right? So I'm not saying that from this perspective. But I also want to say to you that my opinions I'm going to be sharing with you on the law of attraction even though the vast majority of relationship experts and dating experts and relationship gurus and authors and so forth are all into the law of attraction, some of the deepest spiritual teachers are not. Michael Singer, Eckhart Tolle, Byron Katie, these people who are truly awakened beings uh, speak very negatively about the law of attraction for the same reasons I'm going to share with you. In fact, some of the ideas I'm going to share with you have come straight from my favorite spiritual teacher, Michael Singer. So I just say that to you so that you don't think, oh, this is some crackpot. Roy is just coming up with some, you know, crazy idea and he's shattering my whole relationship strategy that everybody tells me I'm supposed to use. No, it's not just me. 
it's pretty much every awakened spiritual teacher really questions, not that it doesn't work. They would all say, in fact, I'll give you a direct quote from Michael Singer. I stole it from him. He said, the law of attraction works and that should scare the hell out of you. Okay. So I want to spend today's episode on telling you why I'm going to strip away this strategy for finding your life partner, but I'm going to replace it with something that will work. Okay. So I'm not going to take away your toy and give you nothing to play with, (laughs) right? I'm not going to take away your whole strategy about how, because you want to find a partner. I get that. I'm not going to take that away from you and leave you hanging and leave you with nothing. Um, I'm, I'm going to show you that the law of attraction is very dangerous. It will ruin your love life, but I'm going to replace it with, well, it's not really a strategy, but I'm going to replace it with another idea that I'll share towards the end of the podcast because I'm going to spend most of the time here doing my best to debunk this whole thing and to help you really see that the law of attraction is not what I want to be thinking about and doing. So I should start by just, let's define what I mean by the law of attraction. Well, there really isn't a good definition out there, but it's the whole idea espoused by the secret. You know, if you, you want something and so you need to um, speak it, you need to feel it. You need to have a list. You need to have a vision board, right? So the law of attraction says you want something, you want to feel it, you want to speak it, you want to dream it, you want to have a vision board, you want to have a prayer journal, you want to have a list. You know, in other words, you um, if you want to attract the one, you have to be able to describe to God or the universe the one you want, right? So if you want to manifest something, well, first you have to be able to tell the universe or God what it is you want to manifest so that it can come to you, right? So the law of attraction is a manifestation type of strategy. And you do it by, in in terms of the relationship conversation, you have to have a list of qualities that you want in a life partner. You got to have your absolute yeses, you got to have your absolute no's. You got to have your must-haves, your can't-stands, your deal-makers, your deal-breakers, right? You got to have a list. You got to know what it is you want, and then you can put it out there, and you can pray with it. You can feel it. You can speak it. You can sort of embody it, and and somehow, mystically, magically, you will manifest what you want, and I'm saying that that's true. You can manifest what you want, but I'm going to talk to you about what it is that's going on inside of us that is making the list. So I'm saying the law of attraction works, but I'm saying the mechanism, the motivation, the place from which we are making our list and creating our vision board. The, the dynamic that wants something, that's the problem. It's, it's the wanting. It's where the wanting's coming from. It's what the wanting is really about, what the wanting is being motivated by. That's where it gets dangerous. So again, I'm not saying it doesn't work. It does work. 
but because the, it's coming from a certain place within us, that's what's dangerous. And so we have to have a little conversation about the human condition. Now, if I have not gone through this in detail in another podcast, I'm going to very soon because it's one of the central messages that I have uh, about relationships and so forth. But let me, let me just describe to you very quickly the human condition because once you understand wh- what's going on with us, all of us, not, not just you, not just me, but all of us, when you understand what's going on with us as human beings, you will see where the law of attraction fits in kind of where it comes from. It'll begin to make sense to you as to why the law of attraction is, you know, why it's come to be and what its purpose is. And then in in seeing all of that, you're going to see what I'm talking about, about, oh, that's dangerous, okay? Let me walk you through this real quick. The first thing is, if you were standing in front of me, I would say, are you in there? Do you exist? Hello, hello, I wave at you. I wave at you. Are you in there? And you're like, yeah, I'm in here. (laughs) I'm an aware, conscious being. I'm in here, okay? Then I would ask you, how you doing in there? What's it like to be you? Isn't it, if you're honest now, you got to be really honest now. Isn't it fairly common that something's bothering you? That something isn't quite right? Right, so isn't it common that you feel um, lonely or anxious or nervous or lost or don't you sometimes feel like you're not good enough or you've you've been abandoned or you're unworthy or you're a failure or something's wrong with you, right? See, you got, you got to, I'm not saying that you, that all of us always feel suicidal. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you're about ready to slit your, your wrists. Uh, and I'm not saying you're a complete emotional disaster and you're like, you know, basically curled up in a ball on the floor and you can't function. I'm not saying that, right? I'm saying that, If you pay attention closely, like for instance, if you were to turn off all of your devices, the television, the phone, the iPad, the computer, and you you disconnect from social media and from any of our usual distractions, and you just sit in a room all by yourself, no music, no people, no TV, no no phone, no nothing. Just sit there for one hour all by yourself and you'll feel what I'm talking about. There's a restlessness in there. There's an uncomfortableness. There's what I call a not okay feeling. Okay? So if you if you if you're honest and you're like what's it like to be me? A lot of times, again, you might not be suicidal or you might not be, you know, on the verge of having to go to some mental hospital, but you got a little bit of some kind of not okay feeling. That's what I mean. Like there's, there's worry. There's, 
nervousness, there's sadness, there's frustration, there's uh, boredom, stress, overwhelm, right? I mean, do you notice that, a, that something's usually wrong? Something, something's bothering us most of the time, right? There, there's a, a, a subtle and sometimes not so subtle, not okay feeling. We can feel sort of empty um, or we don't have a sense of purpose or a sense of meaning. Um, we can feel confused about our lives and about what's next. We can be worried about our finances. Uh, we can be right there. there like we could, I could talk for days on this, but this is where you got to be honest with yourself. That if you pay attention to what's going on inside of you, you're going to say, yeah, um, a lot of the time, I'm not, I'm not okay. Right? Like how many times do you wake up in the morning? Just take this past week. When you wake up and you open your eyes, that out of the depth of your being, you just wake up and say, oh my God, I'm back. I'm so glad to be alive. I can't wait to see what happens in the world today. And how many times do you just wake up completely enthusiastic, filled with passion and joy and love and spontaneity, right? How much of your daily experience is filled with Real bliss, real happiness, utter contentment, deep peace and acceptance and joy, right? Who lives that way? Well, very, very few people experience life that way on a regular basis. Yes, we have moments. You might see your newborn baby and your just heart explodes, you might see a sunset and for a moment your mind just stops and all the things it's talking about and everything that's wrong with the world and wrong with you and wrong with people and wrong with life. And for a moment you see a sunset and you're just dumbfounded and you're, you're, there's this openness, right? So we have moments and that's really what happens where the mind shuts up for a moment and we are in bliss or as the Hindus call it, Sat Chit Ananda eternal conscious bliss, okay? But most of the time, we're not blissed out. We're triggered. We're reactive. We're scared. We're uncomfortable. We're stressed, right? Because people, conditions, and circumstances are not the way they're supposed to be. They're not the way we want them to be. People aren't treating us the right way and Life isn't the right way and my family and my kids or my pets or my friends or my siblings, right? So if you're honest, you say, yes, I'm in here. When I say, hello, are you in there? You're like, yep, I'm in here. How are you doing in there? Well, I don't tell many people, but I've got my own particular version of the not okay feeling that I'm talking about, okay? Now, if, can you admit that, that... Pretty regularly, almost every moment of every day, something's bothering you, okay? Now, if you can't admit that, the reason for that is 
is that you're so used to the not okay feeling, you don't even notice it's there. That's why I say sit alone in a room for one hour with no distraction and tell me how okay you feel. Tell me if you can make it one minute before you start to feel your skin crawl, before you want to do something, before you want to go somewhere, before you want to grab your phone. Try it for an hour and tell me how okay you feel. So a lot of us think we, no, no, Roy, I I don't live with a a subtle sense of being not okay on the inside. I'm happy and peaceful almost all the time. Well, I would just say to you that that's only because your not okay feeling is so is so familiar to you that you think that's what being being happy is. Okay? So I don't want to harp on this anymore because if you think that you don't have a not okay feeling that's going on inside of you almost from the moment you wake up until the moment you go to bed that you're not stressed or triggered or reactive or worried or anxious or angry or what if you don't think so then you probably should turn this podcast off because it's gonna mean nothing uh, nothing to you at all okay but if you can be like a normal human and you just admit all right that's true then okay so you exist you're in there and how is how you doing in there i got this not okay feeling now this not okay feeling is so intolerable that your whole life is basically devoted to fixing it Pretty much everything you do, from the food you eat to the clothes you wear to the job you seek and the partner that you want, is all about trying to fix the not okay feeling. In other words, that feeling is so uncomfortable and so intolerable that your mind comes online and says, hey Roy, I'll fix this not okay feeling and I'm going to try to uh, arrange Life and everybody in it to get it to be the way I need it to be. Because if I can get life and people and circumstances and conditions to be the way I need them to be, then I'm going to feel okay on the inside. And that's what your mind is doing when it says it wants to use the law of attraction. You don't feel okay on the inside. Maybe you feel unlovable. Maybe you feel alone, maybe you feel lonely, maybe you feel undesirable, unwanted, not good enough. I don't know what it is. There is a core story of deficiency at at the core of your life. And your mind tells you, if I can find the right partner, the ideal partner, that person's love, that person's companionship, that person's body, that person's personality is going to fix that not okay feeling. Are you with me? So the law of attraction comes from what I call the personal mind, the ego, that voice in your head, that voice that says, this, I'm not okay in here and I need to find a partner because that's going to fix this problem. Well, I don't need just any partner. I need a specific kind of partner. In fact, I'm going to make a list. I'm going to make a list of the qualities that my partner needs to have. Because if they have those qualities, it's going to fix my not okay feeling. So let's just say that you feel like you've been abandoned, that you're unwanted, 
you know, that you feel sort of alone and lonely. Well, I can guarantee you on your list of what you want in a partner, you're going to say something to the effect of, I want a person who is loyal, trustworthy, and emotionally available. Why do you want someone who's emotionally available? Because you need them to pay attention to you because the whole purpose in finding a partner is that that partner can fix that unwanted feeling, that abandoned feeling. So they have to be the kind of person who would prioritize you, who would be devoted to you, who would be emotionally available, who would be loyal, who would be trustworthy. Do you see? That person fixes that not okay feeling of yours. So when we use the law of attraction, we are giving voice to the lowest part of ourselves. We are trying to choose a partner from our wounded self, from the ego. The not okay feeling is the one looking for a partner. The lowest parts of us, <laughs> the, the, the wounded parts of us. Do you get that? Now, there's nothing wrong with this. You're not bad for doing it. I've done it. I still, I still do this. This is the human condition. We're in here. It's not okay in here. And the mind comes online and says, well, I'm going to fix it for you. And the mind starts coming up with the ideas. If you get this partner or this job or this size of a house or, you know, this position in the world or this kind of body or this kind of fame, right? The not okay feeling is so intolerable that the mind is, comes up with a strategy on what do you need to fix it? And so as we talk about relationships, the mind says you need a specific kind of partner and that partner is going to have a job. If they are this kind of person, they're going to fix that not okay feeling. And that's where the law of attraction comes in. What the law of attraction basically says is go into your personal mind, go into that wounded sort of neurotic self, that part of you that feels unwanted and not good enough and lonely, and let that person tell you what kind of partner you need in the world. That's what the law of attraction is doing. It's not coming from your higher self. It's not coming from your essence. Because let me tell you something. In your essence, you are okay. In your essence, uh, there isn't, there, you are whole and complete. If you are coming from essence, you won't need to attract anything. Anything. You won't need to attract money, position, power, houses, a partner, fame, because you're already bliss. You're already Sat Chit Ananda. You're already in heaven on earth. You're, you're already complete and whole. So if you're already complete and whole, you won't want to manifest anything. Why would you want to manifest something if you're already complete? The only reason you want to manifest something is because you think you don't have it. It's because you think you're lacking something. Now, if you're listening to this as a law of attraction teacher, do not argue with me on this. Do not. The only reason why you want to attract something or someone is because you think you're missing something. Is because somehow life isn't the way it's supposed to be or the way you want it. 
But when you're coming from your highest self, you recognize I am awakened. I am one with God. I, you know, that's what Jesus said. I and the father are one. He wasn't trying to manifest something. What more do you need when the Lord is your shepherd? Do you follow me? So when you recognize that you are complete, the law of attraction makes no sense. It would be like eating a complete Thanksgiving dinner. (laughs) You just gorge yourself, you know, on all the Thanksgiving fixings. And then three minutes later, someone says, you want to have dinner now? And you're like, what do you mean? I'm full. I don't want to eat anything. I don't want to manifest another turkey. I don't want to manifest some more stuffing and sweet potatoes. I'm full. Right? So when you recognize that you are spiritually full, no matter what your relationship status is, no matter what your bank account is, no matter anything, when you see the reality is that you are already complete, then the whole idea of I need to have a list and a vision board about something I want, the whole thing doesn't make any sense anymore. So the only reason you use a law of attraction is because you think you're lacking something and missing something. And it's that wounded, hurting, not okay feeling that is pushing you and says, I need this. I want that. I want to attract that. I want to manifest that. So so it's the ego. It's the ego that uses the law of attraction, not your essence, not your highest self. It's not spirit that uses the law of attraction. It's the flesh, if you want to put it in Christian terms. Okay? So... That is the first principle as to why the law of attraction will ruin your life. Because the not okay feeling is trying to say, I need this kind of partner. And what you're going to create is codependence. Right? Because if if you feel that lonely, that abandoned feeling, that lost feeling, that kind of empty feeling, and you want to now find a partner who's emotionally available and loyal and trustworthy to fix that, Well, now you're making your emotional stability be based upon what that person does for you. So you're depending on that person to continue to fix the not okay feeling on the inside of you. And good luck with that. Life partners make lousy life sources. But that's what's going on. You create a dependence on the other person to fix the not okay feeling and continue to keep it fixed. And the problem with that is the part of the law of attraction that's true is like attracts like. If you are wanting to attract the person to fix your not okay feeling, the person you do attract is going to be doing the same thing to you. They've got a not okay feeling and you're supposed to fix that. So now you're in a relationship where you have to fix their not okay feeling. And in my life, see, I had the feeling of being undesirable, of being sort of unwanted and unattractive to women. So on my list, when I used to have one, the first thing on the list is I wanted a highly sexual woman. (laughs) Why? Because if she wants to have sex with me, that makes me feel desirable, right? So... I had to attract a woman who was highly sexual to fix my undesirable feeling. Well, let me tell you, 
she had some sort of not okay feeling that she was thinking I was going to fix. And now we're in this codependency where we're not standing on our own. We are not doing our own work. We are not on the path of realizing that we are whole and complete, that there there really is no not okay feeling. (laughs) It's just a feeling. We're not doing that kind of work. We're trying to make the other person love us in the way we need them to. And where does drama come from? Where do power struggles and relationships come from? You're not loving me in the way you used to. You're not giving me what I need. You're not the kind of man I met. You're not the kind of woman that I met years ago. In other words, you're not doing your job for me. I know this sounds crass. I I really do. But... When we use the law of attraction, what we're, th- that list that you have, that I had, that's a job description. That's, this is what you have to be and do as a partner to fix my not okay feeling. And then they got a list too. And that's your job description. This is what you have to do to meet their emotional needs. Now that would be okay if it worked. But life partners are lousy life sources. We're not good at meeting each other's deep core needs. We're we're not supposed to. We're not built for that. So the whole process, I mentioned this in my book, Relationship Bootcamp, this whole thing, it's like trying to paint a house with a hammer, right? You could do it, but man, it would take you a long time. It'd be frustrating. It would be really difficult because the hammer's not designed to paint a house. And neither is a partner designed to fix your not okay feeling. But that's what we do. And when we promote the law of attraction, that's what we're playing into. So the first principle of the law of attraction is that it works, but it will work against you. It will create codependency. It will create drama. Because you're never going to find a person to fix that not okay feeling. They're never going to do an adequate job. They are going to fail because only you and God can do that or whatever you want to call, you know, life, the universe. I don't care what name you want to give it. I just know it's not your partner's responsibility to make you happy, to fix that uncomfortable, stressed out, not okay, lonely, empty feeling that you might have. However you want to define your particular not okay feeling, right? So that's principle number one, and we're 34 minutes in. (laughs) But the other ones go very quickly. All right. The second principle on how and why the law of attraction will ruin your love life is that the law of attraction is born from a scarcity mindset. And I've touched on this. The whole thing comes from the, the, the faulty belief that you're lacking something, that you're missing something, that right here and right now, is not enough. That sufficiency is not in the present moment. The only reason the law of attraction would exist is because you feel the present moment is somehow insufficient or lacking. So it's a scarcity mindset. Now here's what's funny about this. The people that really espouse the law of attraction talk about, oh, it's an abundant universe. Oh, God's abundant. Oh, life is abundant. So if you want something, there's abundance out there for you. But, but do you see that it's, that's a play on words? It's backwards. 
it's like, oh, life is abundant, but right now it's scarcity for me. Oh, there's plenty out there. Oh, there's enough. There's plenty for you, plenty for everyone. But the only reason why you seek it is because the reality is you think you're in scarcity. Now, I'll do other podcasts on this issue of scarcity. But when I talk about this, I'm not saying scarcity doesn't mean that your bank account has seven digits in it. It To say that life, that scarcity is not true does not mean that you have to have a partner right now. It doesn't mean that you have everything you want. When I talk about scarcity and, and the scarcity mindset and that there is no such thing as scarcity, I mean in this present moment, without going into the future in the mind in what you want or what you anticipate or dream of or hope for, and if you don't go into the past about what happened and the memories, if you're just here in this present moment instant, right here with no mind for past or present, is there a problem? Is there a problem right now? And the answer is always no. It's like, well, no, right now I'm perfectly fine. I'm listening to this podcast. I'm just sitting here or I'm on a treadmill or I'm driving in my car. Well, well, Roy, I don't have any money in my bank account and I'm lonely. No, not right now you're not. Right now, you're just sitting here listening to this and you're listening to that voice in your head telling you that you're lonely. But in this moment, there is no scarcity. There's nothing lacking right here. So you have to go into the future or into the past to think that there's something missing and then you want to use a law of attraction to fill up what you think is lacking. So the law of attraction is not based upon abundance. It's actually based upon scarcity. Number three, this is what I call, if if you believe in the law of attraction, if you're using it, what you're saying, and I say this to maybe the relationship coaches that are listening to this right now, what you're saying is that the mystics are morons. If you espouse the law of attraction, what you're saying is the Buddha was full of shit and so was Jesus. What you're saying is those guys were wrong because those guys were completely against the law of attraction. What is the law of attraction? It's I want. I want to manifest. A partner, a position, a house, a job, or something. Well, remember the Buddha's four noble truths? The Buddha had his awakening and he sort of summarized life into four noble truths. The first one is life is suffering or life is unsatisfactory. That's kind of that not okay thing I was talking about. But the first noble truth is life is unsatisfactory. The second noble truth tells you why. And it's because you want. It's because you crave. It's because you seek. So Buddhism is completely against the idea of wanting, seeking, chasing after, manifesting. It goes against the second noble truth. It is the root of suffering. The Buddha said, you suffer because you want. And the reason he he recognized that 
is because the wanting indicates, well, something's unsatisfactory, something's missing. And because life is impermanent and life is always changing, you're going to keep wanting and wanting and wanting and wanting and wanting. And, and whatever it is that you want, you can't hold on to. You can't keep it because life is impermanent. Partners come and go. Their feelings change. They die. You know, economics, bank accounts come and go. Money comes and goes. Economies change, right? So it's like you want things, but life is unpredictable and impermanent and you can't control any of it. So the very fact that you want is going to create suffering for you. The way to peace is to surrender to what is, to be in non-resistance to what is. But the law of attraction is resisting what is. What is is not okay. I need to find a partner. My relationship status is not okay. Or my financial status or something. So it's out of this resistance, this sort of anger toward life about how it's not the way we want it to be, that we use the law of attraction to seek. And so the Buddha said, man, if he would look at these law of attraction teachers, the Esther Hicks, you know, the Abraham Hicks, he'd look her straight in the eye and say, you are teaching people how to suffer. You're teaching them how to ruin their lives. Because the second noble truth is, The reason we suffer is because we want, we crave, we lust. Okay? And Jesus was the same way. Jesus did not espouse chasing after material things or looking for relationships. He he said, what would a profit a man if you gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? You know what I mean? So, so. The people that espouse the law of attraction, using the law of attraction, you're saying that the two wisest people that have ever lived on the planet, Jesus and Buddha, were full of shit. They didn't know what they were talking about. Screw them. I know a better way to make myself happy. Buddha and his surrendering to what is and his acceptance of what is and being in the flow of life. You know, when Jesus said, not my will be done, but thy will. See, that wasn't the law of attraction. Jesus said, not my will. Not what I want. Forget my list. Forget my vision board. Forget my my idea of what or who would make my life great. Not my will be done, but thy will. Okay? So just know that if you're using the law of attraction, you are disagreeing with the two most enlightened people that have ever walked the face of the earth. All right? Number four. I call this one, I want ice cream. And the reason I say this is because imagine a three-year-old and given the three-year-old, tell me what you want for dinner. Tell me what you want for breakfast. And the three-year-old is going to say, I want ice cream. Okay. And you're, as a parent, you're like, no, you're not getting ice cream. I know you want it. I know that's what you think you want. I know that's what you think would help you grow and your bones to form and have muscle and be a healthy growing into an adult. But no, Ice cream isn't going to do it. In other words, three-year-old, you, 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 you think you know what you want, but you, you don't really know what's best for you. And here's what I want to tell you. We look up at God and we say, I want ice cream. I know what I want. I know what I need. 
I know what would be best for my growth and my development and my evolution. I want this and I want that and I want this and I want that. And I think God looks at us and says, huh, I got a feeling I know better of what you need and what will help you grow than you do. So maybe I'm going to ignore what you want and the ice cream you want for breakfast. So here's my point. I seriously doubt that we know what's best for us. That we know the type of partner that would really be good for us. I seriously doubt. We we make a list. It's like a three-year-old saying, I want ice cream for every meal. Okay? That's number four. Number five is I would call it mission impossible. And I say it this way. Have you looked at your list lately? Right, your 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 list. In fact, let me just let me read this out of my book. Okay, um, here's here's how I say it. Have you taken an objective look at your list lately? Does that person even exist? Okay, quote. I want someone who has a great career and is financially stable. They must have impeccable character, spiritual depth, and a great sense of humor. They need to be. Physically hot, emotionally available, and great in the sack. Oh, and they have to love dogs, children, and Jesus. Do you see what I mean? Who would measure up to that? Hell, would you qualify to even date yourself? Right? So you, we, we look at our lists, and it describes a person that's like, good luck finding that. Okay, so our, our lists are completely unreal. It's mission impossible. That person doesn't exist. You're going to attract a human being that has got some neurosis and some neediness and some negative parts and some blind spots and has a big old ego, just like you do, like I do. Okay? So I just think it's mission impossible when we look at our list and say, wow, that's what you're holding out for? Okay? Number six. Your past is picking. Your past is picking. In other words, what's on your list? Isn't it pretty much all the things that have happened to you in the past that you haven't let go of? Like your list is a description of your baggage. Because what's on your list is is just a reflection of your past. Like after, you know, I was married for 19 years. It was a very platonic, non-sexual relationship. Oh, so when I went through my divorce, I had a list of what I was looking for. What was at the top of it? I want someone who was sexual. Do you see my past is making the list? All that stuff is alive in me. I haven't let it go. It, I'm still reacting to it. I'm still wanting someone to be different than all of that. So there's a lot of negativity that is behind our list because the past is doing the picking and it's sort of showing you the the stuff you haven't let go of, the stuff you're still holding on to. Okay? Number eight, impermanence means disappointment. Um, You remember in high school, you know, you would maybe write in somebody's yearbook, you know, I hope you never change. Or you stay the same, don't ever change. Well, and that's kind of a cute little sentiment, you know, but it's ridiculous. People change. What do I mean by this? So you got this list. 
You meet this person. Ooh, check, 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 check. They're this, they're this, they're this. They, they meet all of my requirements. Except people change. The law of impermanence says that that person you just met with all those qualities is not going to be the same person three years from now or five years from now. Then what are you going to do? Well, I guess I have to find a new partner that fulfills the list and just keep scrolling through one one relationship after another because the person you meet is going to change. They have experiences. Things happen in their lives. They learn things. They change. They get triggered. They evolve. And so the person that you meet today is not going to be the same person in the future. So why bother having a list? Because it's just going to be good for a moment. (laughs) Because a year or two from now, you're going to say, oh, they're not as emotionally available as they used to be. Or they're not as smart or they're not as physically fit or they're not as generous or kind or whatever is on your list. Do you follow me? People change. The law of impermanence. Life doesn't stay the same. So you make a list and you're sort of buying into that I'm going to meet someone and they are going to be that person and they are going to stay this way and they are never going to change and they're going to continue to fix my not okay feeling just like they did in the first couple weeks of when we met. Again, good luck with that. But this is what the law of attraction brings about. That's what the list does. It gives you an unrealistic expectation of a person. The eighth one is, I call it physician heal thyself. Okay, so that not okay feeling, if you're not able to fix that, why would you think somebody else is going to be able to fix it? I mean, you live inside of you 24-7 and you have a hard time dealing with that not okay feeling and fixing it. What what chance does somebody who lives outside of you have for fixing it? So the law of attraction, though, makes you buy into this, this thing or this person that I want to manifest is going to fix something. Man, if you can't fix it, how is that going to fix it? Okay? So physician, heal thyself. Okay? And then lastly, you believe in the law of attraction, you use it, and you're going to do what I call relational waterboarding. You know waterboarding is torture, Right? It has to be this way. If you've got a list of qualities, if you've got a vision board, if you've got all this laid out of what you want and need in a partner, then at some point early in the dating process, you're going to have to interrogate them. Now, you might not do it you know, overtly and in a real rough and tumble kind of way, but if you got a list, you got to find out whether or not they fulfill it, don't you? So you've, you've got to ask questions. You've got to be snooping around. You've got to be looking. You've got to be paying attention. Do you meet the first thing on the list? Are you second? Are you third? Do you check, check, check? Oops, nope, not this one, right? You're going to have to interrogate or interview or at least be in the mindset of, are you exactly the person that I need you to be to fix this not okay feeling? And how would you like to be on a date with someone who was evaluating you like it was a, a job interview? Because <laughs> that's what it is. That's what dating is when you use a law of attraction. Dating is a job interview. Because the law of attraction, you have your job description, and now you're sitting in front of this person. And it would be better if you just pulled out the list and say, you know what, let's not waste any time. Are you this? Are you this? Are you this? Are you that? Yes or no? Right? I mean, 
At least that would be honest because that's what you have to be doing on some level if you use a law of attraction. Don't even argue with that. What good is a list if you don't find out whether they fulfill it or not? You follow me? So there you go. There are nine reasons, nine different reasons why the law of attraction will ruin your love life. And I hope you're like, okay, I ain't doing that anymore. I'm scrapping my list. But then you're like, Roy, now what do I do if I don't have a list? Do I just date anyone? Do I marry anyone? Heavens no. You just don't need some list. You first of all don't need to obsess about trying to find a partner. Let me let you in on something. Long before the internet came around, people met each other. They liked each other. Relationships happened. Okay? I'm not saying people 50 years ago didn't have an idea of who they wanted. I'm, I'm sure somebody had a list somewhere. I don't, I don't think my mom or dad had a list, but you know, but what I'm saying is relationships happen. People meet each other. There's chemistry. They like each other. They go on dates. They end up together. It's just the natural way of life. Um, for instance, does the flower have a big list on how to attract a bee? Does it have a does it does it have a vision board? How am I going to find a bee to pollinate me? No, the flower doesn't do any of that. What does the flower do? The flower trusts life. This is for life to go on. People got to get together, and for flowers to exist. Bees got to come and land on them and pollinate and all that process, right? So the flower's not all stressed out. Ooh, where am I, you know, where am I going to find a a big, strong bee with a big, long stinger? (laughs) And the bees don't do it either. The bees don't sit at the bar with the boys saying, uh, you know, man, where am I going to find a pretty flower? Where am I going to find a little flower that got a long, thin stem and big petals? (laughs) Okay, this is not what happens in the natural world. The natural world, life arranges it all. Life takes care. God does it. So I'm in favor of arranged marriages. Okay, not like the kind in India, which they still do. And there are some benefits to it, but there are some big drawbacks too. Okay? But I'm not saying let your parents or your friends arrange a relationship for you. I'm saying let God do it. Let life do it. So all you do is you live your life. You do the things you like to do. You, you follow your purpose. You contribute to this world in the way that you seem to do it. You just live your life. You just If you're, if you're a flower, just be pretty and smell good. The bees will find you. It's what the bees do. The bees have wings. They fly around because they're looking for for flowers to land on. So just be a pretty, sweet-smelling flower, and the bees will come. And the bees don't need to all stress out. There's plenty of flowers out there. They'll fly around, land on one, which is sort of what the masculine does. Go approach. Go land on some girl. (laughs) Who knows? You'll like each other. What I'm saying is you don't need to obsess about this. But the reason we do is because we have that not okay feeling and it's so intolerable. And the mind says, well, what's going to fix that is finding a partner. And I'm here to tell you, no, he or she will not. 
partners are great, but they're not going to fix that internal restlessness, that anxiety, that loneliness, that unwanted feeling, that abandoned. They're not going to fix that. They might temporarily cover it, but trust me, they're going to have their own interests and their own hobbies and talk to their friends and have their own life as they're being with you and you're going to feel lonely again. When your partner doesn't text you back immediately, you're going to feel that abandonment thing coming up again. Trust me, a partner's not going to fix that feeling. Okay? So that's your work. That's what I do as a coach. I work with people who say, I don't want to try to find a partner to fix this. Roy, can you help me deal with my feeling of being undesirable or invisible or unwanted or abandoned? Can you help me let go of that not okay feeling so that I can recognize that I am whole and complete now and that I don't need some partner to fix me? Because if you can do that work with me, you're going to be the most attractive version of yourself in the world. Because when you're attracting a partner from the not okay feeling, there's a neediness there. There is some kind of desperateness. You might hide it, but it's there. And it's not attractive. But when you're in a place where I don't really need a partner, oh, I would love to share my completeness with another you come off completely differently. You're more playful. You take more risk. You're more honest. You're more authentic because you just don't need anyone to like you because you're already whole and complete. So you're more free to just be yourself, to be the flower or the bee that you are. And if somebody lands on you and they like it, they like your authenticity, you're in business. If you as a bee, you land on someone and they like you, they like your way, your authenticity, you're in business, right? So the law of attraction should make you want to do the work so that you don't need that nonsense. You don't need to try to come up with a list and try to find someone who's going to check all the boxes, right? How many times do my clients tell me, oh, I met someone, they, oh, they check almost all the boxes, You're headed for trouble when you do that because what you're saying is, I think they might be someone who will fix something on the inside of me and you're going to find out that they don't. So the law of attraction is a reflection of the personal mind, the ego, the triggered self, the insecure self, the needing, wanting self, okay? That's the personal mind that came up with the idea of the law of attraction because it lacks, ooh, you know what we'll do? We'll visualize and we'll manifest to try to fix it. But there's something that I call presence mind. What is that? Presence mind is that essence. When you're in presence mind, you are trusting and accepting life as it is. You are trusting that life is unfolding perfectly, that you are exactly where you're supposed to be, that you've had the experiences that you're supposed to have for your growth, 
that your relationship status is not a mistake. It is exactly what you need in this moment for your growth. And you trust that if it would support your growth and evolution as a person, that you have a partner, you trust that life will give you one. If it is best for your life and your growth and your happiness that you not have a partner, then you can trust that you won't. Right? Presence mind is not about thought. It's not about what do I want and what am I envisioning? Presence mind is an atmosphere. It's an atmosphere of trust, of acceptance, of ease, of flow. It's an atmosphere of openness. It's an atmosphere of letting go of thinking that you're the doer and that you have to attract and you have to figure out where to go and what to do and what to say. The presence mind realizes that you don't have control over anything or hardly anything. It recognizes that you're not the doer, you're not the chooser, you're not the attractor, but that you are being done. It recognizes, for some of you that are really into the Christian thing, and bless you for that, if that's the way you see the world, that's wonderful. It's David saying, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Presence mind says, that's enough. That's, I'm one with life. I'm one with God. I'm not walking alone in this world. I'm not alone. I'm not forgotten. I'm not abandoned. That's just a bunch of nonsense. That's just neurotic stuff from our childhood. So there is personal mind and presence mind. Those two could not be more different. And the law of attraction is only something that grows out of the personal mind. And therefore, anytime you want to play into ego, you are headed for trouble. You are headed for drama. You're headed for difficulty. But if you let go of that and say, I want to learn what it is to live in presence. I want to have this atmosphere of trust and acceptance and openness and freedom. Well, that's what I do as a coach. So if that's of interest to you, well, then take advantage of the free coaching session I offer because I do. I offer a free coaching session to anybody who is interested in exploring the possibility of working with me. Okay? But so in just wrapping up, I will tell you that what I have learned over my life is that if you listen to that voice in your head, you are going to attract dynamics that are, are not going to work and they're going to backfire on you. And so it's all about that not okay feeling. That, that not okay feeling is the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. That's what's pulling the knobs and, and pulling the levers and turning the knobs. That's what's writing your list. It's so uncomfortable. Your whole life is about, in fact, your life purpose is to fix that not okay feeling, which is okay. Because if you feel unwanted or undesirable or not good enough, yeah, you got to deal with that. All I'm saying is a partner's not going to fix it. Neither will fame, neither will money, 
neither will a great job or a big house or whatever else you feel like you want to manifest. It's only the inner work where you recognize something Jesus said. So then if you knew what I was talking about, Jesus said, you would know that there are rivers of living water flowing from within you. Like you ain't thirsty. You think you're thirsty. You think you need things. But you are filled with living water. You just don't know it. You don't know that you're whole and complete. You think there's something that you have to go get or attract or manifest. So I hope that you're, you're waking up to this. And I hope that you shift from, I want to find something on the outside of me to fix this not okay feeling to, I want to learn how to deal with that feeling directly myself and not put it on anyone and look into it, look through it and begin to live beyond it. Because that's when you experience Sat Chitananda, heaven on earth, eternal conscious bliss. That's what I'm about as a coach. That's what I want to help you do. And so you know where to find me if that's what you're interested in doing. So until next time, good luck, take care, and I hope to hear from you soon. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. 